Welcome, everybody. It's time for another episode of Asher Sales Sense, brought to you by Asher Strategies, the only global sales training company that integrates leading sales methodologies and the latest neuroscience studies into a simple and repeatable, that's the key, simple and repeatable 10-step process for sales success. Thank you, Paul. Paul is our announcer for Asher Sales Sense, and I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Strategy Studio in Washington, D.C. Our host today is Kyla O'Connell, Senior Partner and Sales Facilitator at Asher Strategies. Kyla's guest is Melissa Agnes, President and Co-Founder of Agnes and & Day, and a leading authority on crisis preparedness, reputation management, and brand protection. The title of the show is Build Brand Invincibility by Being Crisis Ready. Kyla, over to you. Thank you, Dave, and welcome, Melissa Agnes. We're so happy to speak with you today. I'm so happy to be here, Kyla. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. One of the things that I really enjoyed about learning about what you do and your background was I think that a lot of people associate crisis with you know a horrible negative emotion, of course, I and mean, just the nature of the word, but, but you really take it in light of a positive thing, it could be a way to build an invincible brand and turn that crisis into to an opportunity to, to really make a, a wonderful impression on a customer and to the point where they would never dream to look anywhere else. I just thought that was really interesting. And I'm sure a lot of people that are going to be listening today can uh, relate to going through different crises within their organization, whether it's operational failure or communication breakdowns and so forth. So I think a great place to start would be to have you help us define what does it mean for an organization to be crisis ready? Absolutely. And you're, you're entirely right, Kyla. The whole invincibility piece comes in because it used to be that crisis preparedness, which is not language I use, which is why I use crisis ready. I'm not content with the typical uh, traditional crisis preparedness mindset. So we need to give it a new name so that we can refocus it a little bit and even get it even stronger. So crisis readiness is really cultural. It's not about simply having a plan that will do little to serve the organization in times of crises. It's about having a culture of an organization that is able to do the following. They have a culture where preventable risk is prevented. You don't have to go through the things that you could have prevented, and you don't have to lose that trust as a result of having preventable incidents, issues, crises, negative events occur when they didn't have to, one. And then two, not all risk is actually preventable. So having a crisis-ready culture means that you have an organization, an entire organization, every single department, every single region knows precisely what risk looks like and able to detect it in real time and give you the advantage of time in a crisis because that is truly invaluable with the speed in which things escalate these days. Um, and the reach is instantaneously global. So able to detect, able to assess. So is it an issue or is it a crisis? Because for example, an issue can go viral and not amount to crisis level. So what does that mean? And what are those thresholds? And what do you do with those thresholds? And how do you identify and detect those thresholds? Identify a risk, assesses material impact on the organization. And then ultimately, no matter what that incident is, be it a negative complaint, by a customer or just anything to straight through to the catastrophic crisis, be able to instinctively 
respond in a way, manage it in a way that doesn't just put it to bed to put it to bed, but where you come out of it with increased trust, credibility, and goodwill built up into your brand. And that's really that invincibility piece. So I say that, you know, my clients don't have crises because they're crisis ready. We know that not every risk is preventable, but even when the unpreventable happens, they're instinctively, intrinsically able to detect, assess, and respond in a way that actually builds upon the brand's brand equity. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that was not, but it was so important. I'm like taking notes and trying to keep up, but it, I mean, it's so important. So how can listeners become crisis ready? And I think you, you mentioned some of it already by having that, developing that crisis ready mindset, but maybe you could give a, go a little deeper there. Yeah, because what does that really mean, right? So there's a couple things that listeners can start to do, can start to wrap their heads around and start to take action on that can actually take them leaps and bounds to becoming crisis ready in a short amount of time. One of those things is really defining what a crisis is for your organization. Because I mentioned that an issue can go viral and not be a crisis, but feel like a crisis. The other part of that is a crisis for one organization doesn't necessarily translate into a crisis for another. What could be your crisis could be somebody else's issue. What is somebody else's issue could very well be your crisis. So what Mm -hmm. does that mean and look like for you? I can give the definition of crisis to help listeners. I know that we're talking fast and going fast and all of this is in my book and on my website. Like there's so much information out there that is really, um, that is there to support this conversation. So a crisis is a negative event or situation that stops business as usual to some extent because it requires taking leadership out of their busy day. So this is an event that happens that leadership, I don't care what meeting they're in, I don't care like where they are, what they're doing, if they're sleeping, if they're in a board meeting, doesn't matter. This incident requires their immediate attention and directive decision-making because it threatens long-term material impact on one to all of the following five things. People, so your stakeholders, internal and or external, the environment, if that's applicable to your business, your business's operations, its reputation, and or its bottom line. So long-term material impact on any one of those five things. Whereas an issue is not, doesn't stop business as usual. I see issue management as a form of business as usual on hyperdrive. It's a part of your job description to manage it. It's the unpleasant part of your job description, but it's a part of your job description nonetheless. You don't need to take leadership out of their busy day to help you be hands-on and manage this incident because it doesn't threaten that long-term material impact on any one of those five things. So if you can define crisis versus issue for your organization, then you can sit there and say, okay, what are the most likely high impact issues and the most likely high impact crises that apply to our business? Because every single business has vulnerabilities. So what are the most likely high impact ones for you? And the second piece, so I want to give the second part of that puzzle, doing that one exercise is really important. The second part of the exercise is stakeholder mapping. Having Mm. a consolidated list, which I rarely, 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 I mean, really, really, (laughs) rarely, rarely um, come across an organization that has a consolidated list of every single one of their stakeholder groups defined. And then when you have those, you can say, okay, in crisis scenario one, which is the most likely with the highest amount of impact type of incident that threatens our organization, what would our employees 
think? What would they expect? What would matter to them that we know now that we could get ahead of at that time? How would they expect to receive those communications or communications on the actions that we're taking? All of these questions, and you go down that list. In crisis scenario number one, again, what would our customers expect of us? What would, they, mm-hmm. what would matter to them? What questions would they have? Would they expect us to pick up the phone and call them? Do we expect them to pick up the phone and call us? Will they instinctively navigate to our website? And if so, what will they expect to find there? How can we put ourselves in a position to meet these expectations for every single one of our stakeholder groups in each one of the scenarios that we are the most prone and vulnerable to? Mm-hmm. Those two exercises alone, if you take them seriously, if you take some dedicated time to really dive into them and answer those questions, will take you leaps and bounds in becoming crisis ready. And again, crisis readiness is about instinctively being able to manage any negative event in a way that actually builds upon the trust and credibility that you work every single day to attain, to achieve with your stakeholders. Rather than depreciating it, which is what typically happens when they're not ready. Yes, exactly. Right. As a consultant, I have the visibility into so many different organizations and have watched many of them go through different crises. And it's always interesting to add whatever value I can from a perspective of the customer and their sales department, but that's a very limited view. But I often get an opportunity to see how it all works out. And I think the piece that I see missing, and it's finally funny that you were like, you rarely, rarely see the list of stakeholders and that map being done. I rarely see the executive teams get organized with how they communicate to the employees. And I think that that's the missing link. Even if organizations believe that they have done this type of exercise and work, they're probably thinking more external, like how do we handle the customer? How do we handle the press? How do we handle negative social media? At least in my experience, I have noticed kind of a void there with how do we handle our own employees? And that is so critical because if we don't control the message internally, then everybody's going to say something different. And that could be catastrophic. And you're absolutely right. So that's the number one grievance from heads of HR is when I talk to them, because part of doing um, going through the crisis ready model and becoming crisis ready, you do this deep dive approach. You have a lot of many different conversations with all of the different stakeholder owners and division heads and department heads and HR constantly says to me, we are an afterthought. Employees are an afterthought. Mm -hmm. And it is one of the most common mistakes that I see made. And then there's also a misconception of like, oh, should we give our employees more information, less information? And the truth is, is that everybody needs the same information. And then on top of that, they need the information that's pertinent to them because everybody will have a different relationship with the brand and therefore something different matters to everybody. So there's commonalities across the board and then there's nuances and in doing your stakeholder mapping you can identify both the commonalities and the nuances and when it comes to your employee communication what you want to do to your point control is an illusion when it comes to crisis management but you want to strive to have the most control as possible for the right reasons with the right light and enabling your employees to be able to know what to do to know prior to an incident occurring. Well, let me give you an example. I have a client that a crisis for them is a catastrophic event where lives are at risk. It could be like an active shooter. It could be um, a natural disaster. If they're 
employees were not crisis ready because it's cultural, right? It's not a plan that only some people are privy to. It's truly cultural. So if their employees were not crisis ready, it would mean that they would not know to trust that communications were going to get to them when the first second that they could possibly get to them. So this not only gives them the comfort of knowing that and trusting that and knowing what to expect and what's expected of them, but it also mitigates that huge risk of bottlenecking the people who are actually drafting those communications or managing the crisis, we want to alleviate their phones for bringing off the hook, right? For right. employees saying, hey, what do you need? What's happening? What should I do? But instead, knowing that information, the second that it's able to reach them, will reach them because there's process in place and there's governance in place in terms of rules and responsibilities. Even just that alone does wonders to helping keep the calm and manage an incident effectively. Not to mention that they're going to get posed questions, whether they're official spokespeople or not, it doesn't matter. They all are, right? So their Mm -hmm. mother-in-law might reach out to them on Facebook and say, hey, (laughs) what's happening? Straight through to the media might reach out to them on Twitter because part of their description in their handle that they work for the company. So you don't know who is going to have an opportunity to talk. And unless you know that you've trained them and empowered them and provided them with what they need to handle those situations, you have no control over that. Kyla, Kyla, it's time for me to reach out and remind us that it's time for a quick commercial break. Over 200 correlation studies show that natural aptitude is the most significant factor in predicting sales success. Asher's Advanced Personality Questionnaire, the APQ, consistently identifies peak performers in outside sales, inside sales, sales management, customer support, and 17 other business positions. Go to asherstrategies.com today or call 866-833-9941. That's Asher Strategies at 866-833-9941. We've been speaking with Melissa Agnes on how to build brand invincibility by being crisis ready. Now back to Kyla and Melissa. Thanks, Dave. When you were describing how the first step or just having this foundational trust that employees will be communicated to through a process and that those employees are trusting in the process rather than scrambling or bottling up the process makes me think of um, how all of us probably feel on airplanes, right? I travel almost every week and I'm one of those passengers that doesn't really get rattled too easily because I've been on a lot of bumpy planes. There have certainly been times, whether it's been rough weather or some strange noise or a passenger that's being difficult, And what I've noticed from people that I've been on planes with, we all kind of do the same thing. If there is any kind of hint of a problem, I wouldn't even say crisis because if it's crisis mode, you know, hopefully I will never know. (laughs) But even if there's any kind of issue on an airplane, everybody kind of does the same thing, which is they look to the flight attendants because we all know how well-trained they are. And also knowing that We trust that they're going to not just handle the situation, but that they're trained to handle the situation. And I have been witness to um, some of that training when someone got very sick on a plane or somebody was being uh, difficult, and I watched how they they operated. And the worst thing any of us could do as passengers was freak out or, you know, start yelling. You just just automatically know, look 
to what they're doing because they've been trained to handle this. So I don't know if that's similar, but that's kind of what made me think of it when you were talking about that. Yeah. And what you're talking about is leadership, right? We need strong leadership when a crisis strikes and the team will look to that strong leadership and developing for leadership to have effective governance and processes and to understand what emotional relatability is and how to speak with and how to take action, strategic action with emotional intelligence. Like these are all really, really important qualities and skills from leadership Mm -hmm. for precisely the reason that you just articulated. So um, who do you find in the organizational chart that's typically responsible for crisis ready or building the crisis ready culture? Is it the CEO? So that's a great question. Right now, there's a couple dynamics there. In terms of crisis readiness, because it's cultural, everybody is responsible. However, culture is truly led top down and then supported bottom up. And yes, you need buy-in and support every single step of the way, and then reinforcement and practice every single day by leadership. With regards to who's responsible for undertaking all of this, like the actual process for becoming crisis ready, not just the implementation, but the actual process for getting to the implementation phase, that depends on the organization. There's truly no consistency because it's unfortunately still so new, even though it really shouldn't be. (laughs) It is. And so it depends on the culture of the organization on who stands up, really talking about everybody as a leader stands up and says, Hey guys, we really need this. Here's what that looks like. Here's the business opportunity it provides. Here's the competitive edge it provides. Here's the, all of the value and, or it's going to come from the top and somebody from the top is going to say, we really need this. And they're going to go to their direct report. So it depends on who those people are. And it doesn't really matter. I've had CMOs come to me. I've had directors of marketing, directors of comms. I've had CEOs, CIOs, their direct reports, COOs, their direct reports. It doesn't matter so long as it's the right person to own the project, let's call it. And then Mm -hmm. that project of becoming crisis ready is supported from the top down and then lived every single day once everybody knows what it means to live it. Right. So I would imagine that those people that come to you for advice and help are organizations who have just weathered through a crisis or in the middle of one. Is there any percentage of people who you work with currently or have reached out to you to work with that are being proactive in this or is it all reactive? No, actually, I think because of the way that I position myself, so I don't position myself as crisis management. My most proud moments are when my clients call me. I had a client call me recently um, and they said, this is a client that called me after an incident three years ago because they realized that they really didn't handle the incident properly and people could have died. And Mm. um, they called me. So we fixed that and then cut to three years later, earlier this year, they called to say, you know, mostly your whole definition of issue and crisis doesn't really apply to us. And I said, okay, well, what makes you say that? And they said, well, because we had an incident, you know, we need to stop business as usual and the CEO needs to get involved and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it was an issue. It wasn't a crisis. So that doesn't apply. And I just, I got the opportunity to say, I'm sorry, can we just pause for a moment and realize how far you've come? Because Three years ago, you had an incident where people could have lost their lives and you were not handling it properly, and that could have resulted in further impact. And today, what you faced was absolutely a crisis, and instinctively, 
everybody on your team knew precisely what to do to de-escalate that down to issue level in real time, and then quickly from there de-escalate that down from there to non-issue level. And those, that's why I position myself as crisis ready, not in crisis management. I want, I believe that if every organization were crisis ready to what it means to me to be crisis ready, that we would live in such a better world, such a kinder, safer, more balanced world. And so, yeah, so to answer your question, yes, I get a whole bunch. Sometimes it takes a crisis to realize that you're not crisis ready. Oftentimes, though, people realize the value, professionals realize the value of this and say, we don't want to be in that position to depreciate mm-hmm. and then to have to rebuild. We want to be in a position where we're always, always moving forward and, and progressing forward. Kyla, it's time for the wrap up. Okay. Just giving me so much to think about. So let's <laughs> pausing there for a minute. Um, wow. I mean, this is helpful, Melissa. I know that our listeners are going to really start rethinking about their organizations and if they are crisis ready. So um, I think that you're going to get some interested uh, people contacting you. Just some last minute thoughts, like if you had to kind of quickly sum up some best practices for creating or, you know, disseminating the message to stakeholders during a crisis, what would kind of like a wrap up, what would that be? Two things, it just as a very high level. One is There is so much that you can anticipate in advance when it comes to people, how they feel, what's going to matter to them, what they're going to expect of you and your brand. There's no reason why you shouldn't be anticipating those now and giving your team a head start in order to meet those expectations, if not exceed them. That is a really, really, really powerful exercise to do now in order to give you the leg up, the advantage, and to ease some nerves um, and some stress in the heat of the moment. And then the second thing is when in doubt, always focus on what can we do right now and what can we say right now? Both of those things need to be completely simultaneous synced, um, do and say action and communication. What can we do and say right now that will help us strengthen the relationships with those who matter most throughout this troubling time? When in doubt, if you focus on those two things, Anticipating concerns and what matters and that emotional relatability and focusing on strengthening relationships, focusing on the people. One of my crisis ready rules is people above process and bottom line always. Focus on the people. Everything else will follow. The process, the bottom line will follow. I totally agree. And thank you. That was so powerful. So if we have some listeners that are interested in reaching out to you, Melissa, where do you want them to go? Absolutely. Honestly, right now, I'd, I'd love an email. So it's melissa at melissaagnes.com. melissaagnes.com is my website. But if you want, uh, I have a crisis ready community that just kicked off this year. That's an incredible initiative that everybody is welcome to that is so supportive and so helpful. So depending on what they're looking for, links to my book, which is on Amazon, Crisis Ready, Building an Invincible Brand in an Uncertain World. But yeah, Melissa at MelissaAgnes.com or just simply navigate to MelissaAgnes.com. Perfect. Well, Melissa, thank you again for your time today and your wisdom. Very valuable to just take this minute and stop and pause and listen to this content. And hopefully it really resonated with some of our leaders who are listening today. So thanks again. Well, thanks to you for the wonderful opportunity. Thank you both. That's all the time we have for today. For our listeners, here to join us again next week at the same time. From now until then, John Asher reminds us to please, please get out there and sell something. Paul, take it away. You've been listening to another episode of Asher Sales Sense right here on Asher Strategies Radio. 